You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, I want to start with a cold open this week. Um, I don't know if it counts as a cold open, if you say it's a cold open, but do you remember what I said to you when we were both walking in to Lincoln Financial Field prior to the Oh, that's right. Yeah, for for our listeners, Brandon and I parked at the same time and we walked into the stadium. Do you remember what I said? It's very important. Remember what question I asked you. Are the Eagles just not that good? Basically that. It was like, is is there a chance this team like just isn't good? Uh, how are you feeling about that question, Jimmy, <laughs> after the Eagles 27 to 24 loss to the Lions in week three? I don't think it's that. I do okay. think there is something to the injuries. And that's an easy excuse for a team that should have beaten the Falcons week two and should have beaten the Lions week three. But can't be uh, completely dismissed because I think they're a totally different team when Deshaun Jackson's in there. And obviously, Alshon was a loss. The loss of Malik Jackson hurts, but he's not coming back, obviously. I mean, the way that Isaac Sayamalo played week two was just so far beyond awful that I, I think he pretty much, much to, he's more to blame for that loss than, you know, the obvious target of, <laughs> in Nelson Aguilar in that game. But uh, so he can't possibly be as bad going forward as he was in that game. And I, I don't know. I just look at the roster. I think the offensive line is still good. The defensive line is maybe not good, which is, you know, kind of contrary to what we thought, at least in terms of the starters heading into this season. Fletcher Cox not being 100% is a big issue. And I think it's probably even a bigger issue than the defensive ends because it all starts with him. And if he's not the beast that we've kind of come to know him to be, then it really just trickles down from there. And, you know, him not being sort of that all pro caliber player doesn't open up the same kind of opportunities that, you know, guys like Derek Barnett and, and Brandon Graham, especially because he plays on that side, would be getting otherwise. And those guys just have not been able to get to the quarterback. I know that the that the excuses have been made that they face max protect. You know, BS on some of that. but and, and when they're not getting to the quarterback, we have seen already so far that the secondary can be exposed. And um, yeah, I mean, certainly it's, it's a team that's not without its severe issues. Maybe severe might be the wrong word, but significant issues. But they do have talent. So I do think they are better than the majority of the teams in the NFL that just haven't played like it so far. So the man you just heard speaking right now is Jimmy Kemsky, in case you didn't know. Because, uh, again, I didn't start this show with the intro. I just kind of wanted to get into that right away because that was in my mind. I, I just thought that was so funny. I was like, man, uh, what if this team just isn't good? And then they go out <laughs> right. and lose to the Lions. Um, right. So, And I, I, of course, am Brandon Lee Gowton. You can find Jimmy Kemsky on Philly Voice, uh, their Eagles writer. And you can find me, obviously, on BleedingGreenNation.com and right here on BGN Radio. Uh, so yeah, just wanted to get into some more of this takeaways, I guess, that we had from this Eagles-Lions game and kind of what about what they mean for the team moving forward. Um, you had already touched on the defensive line, Jimmy. I want to revisit that in a little bit, but uh, I guess we have to start really here. Um, well, we already started, but I guess the next point I should say we have to get to I, here. I didn't, march, I didn't even mention Carson Wentz. Is, yeah, Carson Wentz. I mean, it's not clutch, Jimmy. I mean, it's, it's again, <laughs> it's another game. It's another game, one of these one-score games, which he just does not have great records in, and it's clearly all his fault. Should the Eagles cut Carson Wentz? They team? should absolutely get rid of him. <laughs> I find the criticism of Carson Wentz to be absurd, at least after this last game. I can see where people were maybe upset with the way that he played in the first quarter, or I'm sorry, the first half against the Falcons, where he, he, did, he didn't look right. He looked off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of the hits that he took early in that game affected him in some way. But he was certainly off in, in the first half of that game. In the second half of that game, he was awesome. I mean, he was legitimately awesome in the second half of that Falcons game. And then this past week against Detroit, he doesn't make any mistakes, really. You can maybe nitpick a few passes that are a little off target. The the crazy one for me is that last one to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, which I pointed out in, a, in sort of a gif 
thread uh, on Twitter where he's he's moving away from pressure in the pocket and he throws it's all arm like he doesn't really have a chance to totally step into this throw and the the ball travels like 60 yards in the air hits his receivers in the hands and people are saying he should have let him more like are you kidding me he's basically just throwing it as far as he possibly can and he still hits the receiver in his hands and you want him to lead quote-unquote lead him more how about just make the make the freaking catch make the catch when you're a guy who was drafted for that know, purpose yeah, for that jump yes. ball ability <laughs> like something he was great at at stanford in uh, jj arcega whiteside like oh and it's that's just too much to expect i mean yeah i mean jj arcega whiteside <laughs> is playing 135 snaps this season he has two receptions for 14 yards like yeah it's just way too much to expect like a rookie receiver to have more than that like that's ridiculous matt collins make a catch over the middle on third down in right Justin Aguilar, make a catch on third down earlier in the game. You know, Zach Ertz, make a catch on, on third down. Or maybe you might go for it on fourth down. Like, nobody is helping Carson Wentz in any way. And, yeah, he's not perfect, but he's not really that far off from it either. Like, he's been really – he was really, really good, in my opinion, in that Lions game. If they come away with a win in that game, like if J.J. Arcega makes the catch that he 100% should make – we're looking at Carson Wentz like he's some kind of hero after that game, but any you know, but the 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 L and the and the and the column really kind of changed the narrative on that big time. Yeah, I mean, you could say the same thing, you know, right for the Falcons game too. If Nelson Aguilar sure. doesn't drop that that huge catch, that's really been frustrating. I think if you're looking at Carson Wentz and you're looking at the conversation around him, I really just feel like he's been unlucky. Like that's really that's honestly my stance on it. I feel like these past two weeks have been so like abnormally unlucky too. Like obviously players are going to deal with bad luck, drops, whatever. But like in week two. Again, I can't get over the fact that Carson Wentz just loses three players who combined for 15 receptions, 221 yards, and four touchdowns in week one. Like, in pregame warm-ups, like, they're just totally gone. So, even getting to that thing you said about him not looking great in the first half, like, he has some legitimate excuse there to not look like... Now, I'm not saying, like... I think he probably could have looked better than he did, even with that. But still, like, you know, he it was not an easy situation. And then, you know, against the Lions here, I mean, what was he supposed to do? Like, I don't, like, what more could he have done? Like, he has eight drops. He has two drive-killing fumbles, which were both, like, in a position where the Eagles reasonably could have gotten points on both of those drives. They were, they would have been in opponent territory or very close to it if the Eagles didn't fumble on uh, both of those with Miles Sanders and Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, the, the Aguilar fumble happened within field goal range. And yeah, and the Aguilar drop earlier in the game on third down. Yes, that was around. That, the that would have been 50, around like right? the, that would have been right, yeah, right around the fifty yard line. And he makes that catch. They're pro- more more likely than not they're going to get some kind of points there. Usually, you get you get into opponents' territory. You're usually going to get some kind of points. Instead, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, punts and turnovers. So yeah, I agree completely. And people don't want to hear the word luck, but certainly, well, when it, when it applies to Carson Wentz in this case. Yeah, he's been pretty unlucky so far this year. Yeah, and the Lions scored directly off of those two turnovers, too. They scored six points. Like, another frustrating element to the game is like, okay, you you know you're going into this game shorthanded, like the offense. You know, you don't have... Uh, Ashawn Jeffrey, you don't have Deshaun Jackson. How about like special teams come out and doesn't? <laughs> and then so literally, you know, the Eagles haven't scored in the first quarter all year. They finally managed to do it. It's only a field goal, but like, okay, they finally did it. They made some progress. Immediately wiped off the board with a Lions kick return touchdown. Like, it's did, just, did you watch that, by the way? Did you like take a hard look at that? I did. Well, I just, I didn't see on the replay, just watching it on the replay live at the stadium. I mean, there was no one there, right? Like that whole side, you're going to bring up LJ Fort, right? Is well, they blocked. They, they blocked it up well, so give the Lions a little bit of credit there. But Rudy Ford, I mean, looked very bad on, on that play. He kind of missed an open field tackle. Sandeo took a weird angle to that. Mm. Uh, he he was down the field uh, initially, and uh, he kind of took out a blocker. But you'd prefer to him see him go more after the runner than allow the blocker to do his job. LJ Fort wound up on the ground. So you have two guys that, if we can just make it a little side tangent here, you have two guys in LJ Fort who has not still not played a single snap in the regular defense yet. He won all year. Andrew Sandeo, who was bad, just flat bad the first two weeks of the season. I thought he was okay in the regular defense in week three, but mm-hmm. I, I don't like the play that he made on that kick return touchdown. Um, so you have those two guys that are going to cost the Eagles a pair of comp- fourth-round compensatory picks if they're not cut by week 10. But uh, sorry, getting back to the uh, kick return real quick. Uh, you know, LJ Fort's on the ground. Rudy Ford misses a tackle. Mm. And it's kind of like the same thing that we saw last year at the beginning of the year, where you had all these fill-in guys who were just costing the Eagles games. 
<laughs> like, you have, like, Trey Sullivan. You know, I, I guess this didn't cost him because it happened in the Falcons game where he just walks mm-hmm. into a punt. It almost cost him. That's a, yeah. no, it's a fumble. And then you have guys like... Um, Corey Graham. Corey Graham is another one who basically cost him the, uh, the Titans game. So you have all these back-of-the-roster guys that are costing them games, and you're seeing that a little bit early on this year. Yeah, not great. Um, so another guy we already kind of touched on, but want to get more into him because there's a lot of conversation about him. Nelson Aguilar, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, so week two, he you know goes over 100 yards, what like five for over 100, whatever. Yeah, eight eight for 107, I think it was. Okay, something like that. Yeah, over 100, and but you know most importantly, drops the game-winning touchdown. Yes, has that fourth down reception. Drops, you know, a play that really could have ended the game there. And, and then it couldn't this week, have been. It couldn't have been more on a platter for him to just yeah. stick your hands out, and the ball's going to land on him in stride, running down the sideline. Just does not bring it in. And then this week, you know, obviously has that drop we talked about around midfield, which would have given the Eagles a first down around the the fifty yard line or so. And then he has a, a crucial, crucially awful fumble uh, that again, not even you touched. Said, Probably takes the at least a field goal, if not more, off the board for the Eagles. Now it's kind of weird. I feel like I've you know the the response to Nelson Aguilar from this game has been kind of weird to me because uh, I think people have been here's what I'll say. I think people have been too soft on Nelson Aguilar, I agree. and now some of that has been coming out of the whole the funny uh, guy on the TV who saved people from a burning building, children yes. from a burning building, and dropped that great quote about how uh, he was catching the babies, unlike Aguilar. Uh, that was amazing. I love the look that he gives after that, too. It's so it's so seamless, too. It wasn't, like, forced at all. Like It was just, like, natural. He was just like, I, I love that. Yeah, get that, that guy great. on TV. Let's get him on the podcast. I mean, that guy is awesome. Uh, so, yeah. So so then, you know, Nelson Aguilar comes out, and he offers him tickets to the game, which I think is a, is a smart move, a good move by Nelson Aguilar. So he's got some good agents or PR people but working yes, for him there, I, Yeah, for sure. I don't want to hear, oh, he's so great. Like, come on. Like, you know, like, someone's in his ear about that. I mean, he did it, whatever. But but then I think, I, I think people, like, from somehow like that, it's like, oh, everything's okay now. No, it's not okay. Like, Nelson Aguilar is <laughs> right. hurting this team, just like he was back in 2016. Like, it's not only that he's struggling and, like, he's not playing great. No, like, he's actively making this team worse. Yes. I love the uh, this aged well response uh, mm. on Twitter that you get. Like, you know, you're where he has the bad drop on third down. Then he has the fumble. And, like, you yeah. know, you're like, he's absolutely killing the team. And you say so on Twitter. And then he catches a touchdown. They're like, oh, this aged well. <laughs> Like, no, he's still playing like, like he just, he's costing you points and he's, and he's giving points to the other team. Like him scoring a touchdown does not really totally make up for the massive mistakes that he's making on offense week two and week three. But I mean, he's, he's an infuriating player because you can see that he has talent. Like the, the play that he makes on the first touchdown that he scored against the Lions where, uh, I think it was a 20 yard touchdown. He gets yards after the catch. It makes a couple guys miss and gets his way into the end zone. Like that's a legitimately really good play. Yeah. The second touchdown. He's just it, that's just a product of he's the guy in the route that just happens to be wide open because of the scheme. I'm not going to give him too much credit on that one. But that right. first touchdown, you can see the kind of talent that he has. And then he makes these infuriating plays. Like you said, he made a lot of those in 2016. His drop his drop rate was horrible. I, so after every season, I go back and I look at every incomplete pass for the season. And in 2015, his drop rate was well over 10%. 2016, well over 20, well over uh, 10%. Even the Super Bowl year, his drop rate was still pretty high, even though he was a lot more productive. He made a lot of big plays that year, like a lot of like yard, like long touchdowns and and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he was definitely a a. a, a major contributor and something of a quote out a quote, quote unquote breakout player but his drop rate was still high last year i think it was like four or five percent of the catchable balls that were thrown his way he dropped so it was kind of a problem that he fixed to some degree last year he didn't make the same number of you know big down the field plays like he did during the super bowl year but he did kind of correct that drop problem and i wonder if in his mind he kind of went all right, well that's fixed. I don't have to work on it anymore. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know what his what his training regimen is, but they're back, and those drops are back, and it's concerning on whether he can fix it or whether the drops kind of just linger in his head the same way that you know the same way that they talk about cornerbacks and you got to have a short memory. I wonder if you know that that same philosophy kind of applies to Nelson Aguilar and whether. You got to have a short memory on it or you better get that fixed. What builds on the frustration 
for Nelson Aguilar, at least to me, is that this is a guy who we had kind of talked about before, like being unhappy with his role yes. after a week one win. So I don't want to hear that, by the way. I don't want to hear all he wants to do is win. because he Oh, he's clearly... gotten his shot since then, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and he's gotten his playing time, and he's like he's not even making the most of it. And by the way, like going into in this off season, like I was not fully convinced he was going to be back for a while because that number is just so high. Like that he's making oh yeah, so basically nine almost, almost ten million. million. Yeah, 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 which is twenty six out of all NFL wide receivers in terms of annual value this year. Nelson yeah. Aguilar is not close to being the 26th best wide receiver in the NFL. Like that is an overpay. Now I kind of understood it from the sense that like, you think this is a contender. Like, the Eagles think this is a Super Bowl contender. You can afford to make that overpay, but like, it's not looking great. <laughs> it's not, it's not looking like the, the best use of resources. I'll tell say. you what the other, the, the other uh, argument for it is he gives you a guy where you can go out and, you know, have a pretty quality 11 personnel, three wide receivers. And then you can also implement your two tight end sets. And that becomes really hard for defenses to to scheme for because now you got to worry about, you know, that you're 11, you have quality 11 personnel in Jeffrey, uh, Deshaun, and Aguilar. And then Doug can then, you know, mix, kind of mix it, the those 11 personnel sets with those two tight end sets. And that's hard for defenses to have to defend on the fly where you know mm-hmm. you're substituting guys in and out and you're mixing running run and pass you're maybe mixing in a little bit of up tempo i mean you can show all these different looks to opposing defenses and and also you can beat different defenses differently <laughs> what i mean by that is like you know you get, you get a defense with a with a bad slot corner for example or you know guys that are kind of undermanned at corner then you can attack them with 11 personnel if you get uh, opposing defenses where you don't think their safeties or linebackers can cover, then you're going to show maybe a lot of two tight end sets. So I can understand it from that perspective where they, they want it to be stacked on offense. But I do agree completely with you that certainly Nelson Aguilar is not the 26th best receiver in the NFL. I wonder if he'll be... What, what do you think about him in 2020? Zero chance he's back in my mind. Zero? Unless yeah, okay. like, well, unless like it's a situation where his market is just horrible right. and no one wants to sign him. But I don't I don't think there will be. I think someone will pay him. Wide receivers do tend to go in free agency. Yeah. And you look at what slot receivers got this past offseason. Uh, Humphreys, there are a few others that got that got around $10 million. Yeah. They're escaping me off the top of my head. I remember Adam Humphreys was one of them. And Amendola. Yeah, he went to the Lions. There are some others. But, they, I mean, they did very well in free agency in 2019. So if that trend continues, then Aguilar could get paid. But if he play, if he continues to play the way he's playing, who's going to want to deal with that? If they wanted him around long term, he would be signed by now. I think it's clear that he his value of himself is way higher than what the Eagles Fair think. Fair point as well, for sure. His value in the long term. Flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball from this game, you already mentioned it earlier, Jimmy, but I kind of want to throw some things at you here. There, there's obviously been a lack of production. That much we know from the Eagles defensive ends. They have zero sacks through the first three weeks, and they have 10 combined quarterback hits, which is not great. They only had two against the Lions. They had zero sacks and two quarterback hits against the Lions. Not very good. Now, did you see this ESPN analytics number, Jimmy? Because this is, I do not understand this. So basically, ESPN analytics has something called pass rush win rate, which is how often a pass rusher is able to beat his block within 2.5 seconds. And somehow, in some way, the Eagles rank third overall in the league in this stat. Nonsense. And Brandon Graham and Derek Burnett both rank in the top 10 of this number. I have no idea what this means. And uh, shout out to our good friend Sunset Shaz here for um, alerting me to this. Uh, and clearly he agrees with everything here, which is why he posted it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, so that is just really something to me. And then the other thing I'll say before I turn this over to you, Jimmy, is like, you know, Fletcher Cox, zero stats in the Lions game. You, you mentioned it earlier. Like, that's just not going to cut it. Like, yeah. You know, like, I just, I don't, so what, what, where are we at here with the pass rush? Like, what is the deal? It all starts with Fletcher Cox. And if he's not the same player that he was, I think it, like I said, it has that trickle down effect to the rest of the guys. Uh, on the line, but at some point, those other guys got to step up too. Like Brandon Graham got a big contract this off season, and I, I, you know, I understand like that's a stupid way of, of like judging a player's performance is how, but you know, what they got paid in the off season. But right, he, you know, the, the Eagles did make the decision to give him a lot of money because they thought he was going to be productive on the field, and he hasn't been. Derek Barnett started off okay. I think he went had six hits the first six quarterback hits the first Second two games. Second most in the league, yeah. So that's good. Can you get one when the quarterback still has the ball? <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. you know, there are plenty of other defensive ends across the league who have 
several sacks at this point in the season. At some point, the hits, at some point, you don't want to be Brandon Graham over your career, where you're just racking up, quote-unquote, pressures and QB hits, but you're getting, like, five or six sacks a season. So you don't want to be that. They got to get to the quarterback is really the bottom line. So the Eagles put a lot of resources into Brandon Graham. They thought that Derek Barnett would be really good based on a strong start to the season a year ago, and I don't fault them for that. I don't know why they went out and signed Vinnie Carey as opposed to somebody who can affect the quarterback. And then uh, at that fourth defensive end spot, you know, obviously they trade Michael Bennett, who was a who was a good football player, and they didn't get anything back for him. I understand mm-hmm. maybe he's a headache or whatever he is, but he he was a good football player, and they could certainly use him. Chris Long's still just kind of out there. The front office decisions on the pass rush front are not looking very good at this point three games into the season. Yeah, and I want to get into Howie a little bit here. Um, but the last thing I'll say on the pass rush is that I have a couple thoughts. Uh, I, I don't really know how much... Like if we're looking about like is this going to be an issue for the team moving forward? I mean, it feels like it. <laughs> like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, magically... do, do you, I mean, do do you see them changing all of a sudden? Do you see them like destroying Unless, quarterbacks? I mean, it would have to be like Cox gets healthier like really quick, and, and like this starts dominating more, and maybe that helps out. But like that seems hard to count on. The problem is once you get into the season, now you're gonna like have other. You're gonna get nicked up in other ways too. Yeah, just like. Derek Barnett, like he just he suffered an ankle injury yes. in addition to whatever else he had, the shoulder, shoulder thing yeah. still going into the season here. So yeah, so that's a concern. I think one thing coming out of the Lions game is for as much as we're harping on how the pass rush hasn't been good enough, and I agree with that. I'm not disagreeing, but I think we're a little too hard on the defense coming out of that game in the sense of like they only allowed 20 points because mm-hmm. you know seven was the kick on return, the kick sure. return, yeah. and then again four of those or sorry six of those points were on two turnovers, two short fields with the offense. Yes. You know, so it's like, you know, I'm not, you know, I think anyone like saying Schwartz should be fired is like, that's, you know, that's too much. I, I, you know, he can be frustrating, whatever. The defense needs to be better. I agree. And they, they didn't force any turnovers. So like, that's something I definitely look at them and like, that's, I think that's like a fair criticism. That's a big thing that was missing last year too. I mean, they, and that's related to the pressure. They turned over teams at a very high rate, the Super Bowl season. And a lot yeah. of that is because they got out to big leads. So offense feeds off of defense and vice versa. But mm-hmm. they have not been able to, to create turnovers, and that has hurt them for sure. Yeah. Oh, they got they got a bunch from week two, <laughs> so like, yeah, and true. and they should have had more. Like the way that um they had sort of a zone blitz, Fletcher Cox drops back into coverage, yeah. and Matt Ryan throws it right to him. He drops it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like you know you gotta you gotta make the plays when they're there, and I understand that Fletcher Cox isn't on the jugs machine for twenty minutes after every practice, but well, why not? Can someone make a play? And then the last thing on the pass rush for me in terms of uh, the performance, I guess, or thoughts on it is just so Jim Schwartz has blamed coverage a lot for the lack of pass rush success. Like I don't know how much I believe that. Um, that's not to say I don't believe it. I think. It could be an issue. I don't because th- I think I think back to what it was third and eleven against the Lions and Brandon Graham. I thought like won his matchup like pretty soon, like right away against the right tackle there, and like he was pretty much in Stafford's face as soon as he possibly like humanly could have been, and Stafford just chucks it up and Amendola is wide open and um, good ball from Stafford. But like like you know like what is Brandon Graham or what's the pass rush supposed to do more on that play? And that's just one rep. But looking at like the average time to throw for the quarterbacks the Eagles have faced this season, uh, these numbers come courtesy of Pro Football Focus. Case Keenum, you know, 28th out of 37 quarterbacks in a release time, meaning like 28th slowest. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's telling. Matt Ryan was third quickest in week two. In a week all, that that, Eagles- that, but that's that's his game. That's his game, and the Eagles blitzed a lot in that game. Yeah, and then Matt Stafford was thirtieth out of thirty-four. So yeah. it's not like these. The point here is that it's not like these quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball <laughs> right. like Matt Ryan did, but like the case came and Matthew Stafford were not getting rid of the ball yeah. very quickly. Um, so that's like I, I think about that. I don't feel like I have a good answer, um, or like I have not fully reconciled that in my mind. They play the Falcons every year, and they get pressure on Matt Ryan. They do. Getting to the the kind of the blame here a little bit. I think so. We should probably talk about Harry Roseman a little bit coming out of this game and looking at some of the issues with this team. You look at the pass rush. You already kind of hit on some of the personnel things there. Not you're trading Michael Bennett, not bringing back Chris Long, signing Vinnie Curry. Um, some people are blaming blaming you know the, the Eagles for not trading for Jadavion Clowney. I just don't think that was a no brainer. Still, and I also think on that like. 
if you have to fix your pass rush like a couple weeks before the season, you've already screwed up. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I think the moves needed to be made earlier anyway. That's not to say that you couldn't do that move, but I just don't think that was the greatest answer. I want to share with you here, Jimmy, uh, some good tweets from friend of the show, Derek Sarley of, you know, Eagles blog. Yep. Uh, he had some, I don't know if you saw these, but I, I kind of like these and I, and I want to get your thoughts on them. So he put out two tweets. One of them was that Howie Roseman might be the Nick Foles of general managers. <laughs> or we had like the one great year? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Oh, I'm, cur- I'm, cur- I'm curious. Did, did he uh, explain that at all? No, he, okay. he just, it was just like a theory. And it, he wasn't saying like definitively. He's just like two theories he put out there. Okay. And then he suggested an alternate theory, which is I'm that, intrigued by that. I'd love to hear him unpack that a little bit more. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, so if you're listening, Derek, uh, please do. His alternate theory is the Harry Roseman is the defensive-minded head coach of general managers. So this one he unpacked a little bit more. He said, good at the things you can readily find, deficient in the thing that matters more and gets people hired away once it is displayed. Mm. So I guess like, you know, a defensive-minded head coach, uh, you know, they have these offensive coordinators who get hired away. Yeah, I'd like to have I'd like to hear him unpack that a little bit more too. I don't I don't so know I don't know fully where he's going with that, but Well, is, I think he's saying like Joe Douglas Joe Douglas is good at like, you know, like drafting in theory. Yeah. Uh, that's his argument, I guess. And like so so you bring in that guy and you're like, "Okay, we have him and he's helping the team now, but also you're going to lose him because he's he's and I guess he's saying like you know, defense in the NFL is probably more easy to kind of find. Like you don't need to necessarily make your head coach that way. And I'm guessing he's kind of saying that, you know, like he's comparing that to managing the cap and being okay. good at like personnel. Moves that makes sense. And, and valuation. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think Howie should be getting a little bit uh, being put on the, the microscope here between the pass rush, even the draft class, you know, looking at the draft class. Draft class like, does not look good so far. Yeah. Uh, Miles Sanders, you know, uh, are a good game as a receiver, you know, encouraging to see that out of him against the Lions. As a runner, his numbers weren't bad in terms of uh, you, you average what uh, 4.1 yards per carry. But I mean, the fumbles are killer. <laughs> Two fumbles, you know, JJ Arcega Whiteside, I mentioned it earlier. Like, I don't care that he's a rookie. I'm not asking him to be an all-pro player right away. But again, 135 snaps. He has two receptions for 14 yards. You look at receivers, other receivers drafted after him yep. even in the league. There's a lot of guys who are producing a lot more Terry than McLaurin. he has and even less playing time. Not that like, you take so, Terry McLaurin in the second round, but Terry McLaurin, the guy on the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Deontay Johnson. A few others. But yeah, you can you can go back and look at the draft. And there, there are certainly guys who are producing more than him. And it's weird because this is a mistake. By DK me Metcalf. during yeah D- DK Metcalf for sure has has played pretty well so far. When I looked at JJ during training camp and the preseason, I identified as as him as a guy who could who was a little more polished than other receivers coming out and maybe didn't have he he was he had more polish than upside, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I thought that like his his he'd be able to contribute immediately because. He's a smart kid, you know, wins at the things that should translate immediately to the NFL, maybe. You know, he produced during training camp and during the preseason games. So I thought he'd be fine in, in the same way that, like, Jordan Matthews produced when he first came out. But again, with him, didn't have much of an upside. And then it just hasn't been there. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was clearly wrong because he's not ready right now, in my opinion. He's, he's just, he, he has looked lost so far on the field, and he hasn't made the plays that he should be making. And Doug Peterson basically said he'll be headed to the bench today. Yeah, he did. And we'll get into that a little bit more when we come back from break here on BGN Radio episode 82. We'll look at the injury report, get into some Eagles versus Packers preview. And so we will be back after this. Okay, we are back here on BGN Radio. I'm sure you've just heard some lovely commercials. Jimmy, getting to the injury report here this week, uh, the Eagles have a new injury on their hands. Uh, it would not be an Eagles injury report segment without another injury happening. So Ronald Darby is out this week and could be out for multiple weeks. I'll just ask you, are the Eagles better off here with Sidney Jones and Rizal Douglas as their starting quarterbacks? They are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an easy answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hasn't been good. And he clearly isn't 100% recovered yeah. from the ACL tear. And it's debatable whether he was even whether he's really even been that great for the Eagles since they got him. You know, I, mm-hmm. and he's always been kind of known as quote unquote the Eagles' best. Not maybe sorry, uh, maybe not their best cover corner, but their most athletic corner. That's certainly mm-hmm. true. And I don't think he has that same athleticism right now that he had before the injury. 
And Razul Douglas has played fine, in my opinion. Sidney Jones has played fine. Neither of them have done anything special just yet, but they've been okay. And Darby has not. I mean, it's been clear that teams have come out and look to specifically target him. And that yep. tells you all you, that, that tells you all you need to know. Uh, the Lions, Falcons, I guess even Washington have had no fear throwing at him when he's been out there on the field. So so instead of Sidney uh, Jones and Rasul Douglas rotating now, they'll be in, you know, full time starting on the outside. Obviously, Avante Maddox in the slot still. And then the only thing that's like not great about this, I would say, is like, you know, you're only down to, to three corners. I mean, they, they elevated Craig James as your fourth guy. Um, so it's like the depth there for the second season in a row is already being tested. Um, Jalen Mills is not eligible to return until week seven at the earliest. So the Eagles could be getting him back in the future. It, I guess it's really possible that Mills could come back before Darby is back, depending how long uh, that injury is supposed to take. I know Mike Garofalo uh, had kind of said that uh, it could be a month. So we will see how long Darby is out. Yeah. The other two players definitely out this week are Deshaun Jackson, who the Eagles are supposed to be hopeful that he can play in week five. Um, clearly missing his deep play ability. And then Timmy Jernigan, again, who, if the reported timeline is to be believed, he should be back in like, or he should be missing three to six or three to five more weeks at this point. And that hurts too, by the way. He, that's, a, yeah. that's a sneaky, underrated loss because they didn't get anything out of their uh, uh, Ridgeway, or, Ridgeway uh, and Akeem Spence, Akeem Spence uh, week, week three. Who are suddenly playing major snaps. Yes. So that's not, that's not. So for as much as, you know, I think Fletcher Cox, you know, is not. Yeah, you know, he deserves blame and whatever. It's like also, it's it's just it's really amazing that like last year the Eagles were in this spot where they were trying to get anything out of anyone out of a defensive tackle not named Fletcher Cox. Yeah, you know they were bringing in like T Y McGill and like basically like putting <laughs> anyone in there next to him. And this year, you know, they make an effort to fix that by like signing Malik Jackson, you know, uh, bringing Jimmy Jernigan back, trading for Hassan Ridgeway, and then you know they're in kind of the same boat essentially. <laughs> yeah, last year. Some like, unlucky there. Some some that's bad luck. a little unlucky there. Yeah. Getting into the the bigger news of the this week in terms of positive stuff for the Eagles. Alshon Jeffrey, uh, he's going to be back this week. Doug Peterson has said he is expected to play. The Eagles cut Greg Ward, so that kind of you know shows you that Jeffrey will be back. Um, he also said basically that uh, Alshon Jeffrey will be not as limited, I think, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't he that said be they game planned as if they knew he was playing. I, I, I phrased that wrongly, but basically what he said. <laughs> well, Doug, I think, was specifically talking to or asking or answering a question that like that he's not going to be as limited as Dallas Goddard was. Yes. You know, because Goddard was more of a game time decision. Well, but he also said with Goddard, they didn't factor. They, they didn't build the game plan around the right. idea that he would play. They said it was right. it came as a surprise that he played. Yeah. Whereas Jeffrey, they expect him to play and they game planned against the Packers with, with the idea in mind that. Jeffrey would play. So that's good for the Eagles. They win the game yesterday if he, if yesterday, they win the game <laughs> on Sunday if the pass goes to Jeffrey instead of JJ Arcega Whiteside. Probably. He makes that play. Jeffrey makes that play. So you, the Eagles will have him back, you know, by extension. Like it's probably great that also JJ Arcega Whiteside, who's giving this team nothing, is going back to the bench. And now you have Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar and Matt Collins <laughs> as your three starting line. <laughs> you mentioned receivers. that before the break, by the way. What? Uh, JJ. Because yeah. uh, I think it was uh, Berman who asked, you know, who goes to the bench now that Jeffrey's back? Is it Mac or is it JJ? And Doug mm-hmm. <laughs> just said, honestly said JJ. I mean, he gave a good reason. Like, yeah, it, he gave a reason that didn't make JJ look bad where he said, well, JJ plays the same position as Alshon. So he'll be mm-hmm. he'll be in a backup role. But yeah, I mean, but, but he didn't uh, he didn't hesitate on that. He just he basically just said JJ. So also maybe we could see an increase for Dallas Goddard in playing time a little bit. I mean, he was full participation on Tuesday. We'll see the final injury report. He only played nine snaps. I'm, I'm not expecting him to necessarily play like his usual full workload if he'd be healthy, but I think he could play more than nine snaps. By the way, we would be remiss if we didn't mention his drop, too. We mentioned all the other drops. Oh, yeah. His drop was the worst of them all. It was terrible. Awful. Didn't he kind of do that, too, in the in week Good one? Good like, Lord. <laughs> like, you, you remember what play I'm talking about in week one where, like, uh, Carson had him, like, another over-the-shoulder catch opportunity, and, like, Oh, well, he got he got lit up on the sideline, so. But even but with he, his but hands. he might have dropped it before. He might have yeah. popped out before he got hit. But it's almost like he's doing something wrong with his hands, I feel like. It's like the timing is off or something. I think he saw that hit coming. In that, okay. in that, on that circumstance, it's just weird though, because like he's, it's not like it's going through his hands. It's like he's closing them too soon or something, and like <laughs> then the ball is like hitting it, 
it's just weird. It, it looks weird. And yeah, obviously the, uh, the Eagles scored a touchdown later on that drive. But you, as you pointed out, Jimmy, it was like two minutes later when you, you know, you could have used those two minutes in the game. Like there was a uh, video game back in the day for anyone over uh, 35 years old might know what I'm talking about. It was called T and C surf. And they're all Never different. heard of it. <laughs> there are all these different uh, games within, within the game. Like there'd be like a surfing part. There was uh, like a skateboarding part. There was a frisbee catching part, and I remember what? in that video, <laughs> you had like you control the guy and you'd have to run under the frisbee and catch it. Like these are these are this is how terrible video games were when I was yeah. Up. On the video on the uh, frisbee one, the guy who was catching the frisbee would run. He'd have his hands in the air and he'd just be running trying to catch the frisbee. Like his hands were already in the air and he would try to. You have to try to get like the frisbee to just land on his hands, and that reminds me a little bit of what Dallas Goddard looks like running down the field trying to catch these passes. I think I'm going to need you to get that for Philly voice. I think I, you're, you're going to have to pull that clip and like put it into a gif and put Goddard's head on that guy. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to find that. That would be a, a next level one there. The last injury thing I wanted to touch on while you while you look this up, Jimmy, uh, is that Kamu Grujay Hill will be back this week. Um, he had already said last week that he expected to be back this week, and he's been a full participant this week so that's good um it sounds like he could be on a pitch count still so it's not like he's gonna be 100 percent necessarily but i think getting kamu back is important it certainly means less nate gary on the field which i think is good for the eagles and i don't think zach brown has been a disaster out there but uh, i think you'd, you'd really rather have kamu gruje hill on the field than zach brown and if and if kamu is looking anything like the player he was in training camp I think that's a nice little boost for the defense. You know, again, I don't think the linebacker position kind of really makes or breaks this defense, but I mean, it can't hurt, I feel like. I do. I wonder if Camus Grugier uh, Hill means less Sandejo, because mm. that'd be good for the How Eagles. How so? <laughs> well, I mean, instead of the, having the three safety sets, you just trust Grugier Hill to be able to provide good coverage as well. See, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Jeez, that would be a big deal <laughs> if you could get Sendejo off the field and make him, you know, less important, and then cut him and then get a comp <laughs> down the road, which would be nice. Camus was Camus was legitimately awesome in training camp before yeah. he got hurt. He was probably what like one of the best two players in terms of like just most impressive. Yes. So every year I do this media poll of stock up, stock down. I do it after the tenth practice where I I ask each media guy gal who is there every day to give one guy whose stock you think is up from the beginning of training camp till that point and one whose stock is down and he had just gotten hurt like a day before that i think yeah and just about everyone who not everyone but a lot of people who were answering were like yeah it would have been Camus, but now not mm-hmm. and then they give some other answer but he like if had he not getting hurt had he not gotten hurt he he would have run away with that pole. Like it wouldn't have even been close. He would have been he would have destroyed everybody. That's how good a camp he was having for the first you know week and a half or so of training camp. And I I, I kind of got the vibe from the Eagles that they really thought that he had a chance to be a breakout player this year, and he still can. Mm-hmm. Just the way that they talked about him, like um, the linebacker coach Flajol, he was saying, "Yeah, Camus going to be a regular on the field this year." Like he made he made no bones about it. And this mm-hmm. this is even before training camp began, I believe. He made he made just no mistake about it that Camus was going to be a three down linebacker this year. And you look at like the snaps that the second linebacker has gotten this year. I think uh, week one, Zach Brown was the number two linebacker. I think he played less than fifty percent of the snaps. Yeah, I think it was like 20. Yeah, it was very low. I mean, and then week two, it was more. But I don't remember what the break what the breakout was. But I mm-hmm. think you're going to see more of Camus than you will any of the other linebackers that have kind of played that second linebacker role. Agreed. Especially if he's healthy. And because he's good against the pass, too. So you don't have to take him off the field in those passing situations, whereas Zach Brown is really only playing in, on the quote-unquote rundowns. Yeah, when you're saying, you know, Kamu's having a good camp, I thought he was, like, complete like complete player, kind of. Like, he was looking good. He was coming up in run support. He was looking good in coverage. Like, you know, he, he kind of flashed everything. He made he plays. plays. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, he was making impressive interceptions, that kind of thing. Yep. Like, he, it wasn't just that he was... He looked good. He wasn't giving anything up. I'm like, no, he like, yeah. he couldn't like, there's, there's no way that you couldn't notice how good he was playing. And just getting him back for special teams probably helps, you know, the Eagles too. Also <laughs> true. Yeah. A week after they give up a kickoff return touchdown. So uh, I think that that matters. I think that is not, you know, the, the game deciding thing here, but I think 
that certainly helps. Now, getting into this week's matchup, Eagles versus Packers, Thursday night football. It's in Lambeau, uh, or at Lambeau, I should say. Jimmy, how are you looking at the matchups in this one? I know you released your matchup column today on Wednesday on Philly Voice. Yeah, my biggest fear would be, I guess, uh, sort of a psychological issue. Mm. (laughs) This is with the defensive line again, going back to that once again. You know, we've uh, talked a lot about the defensive line here and their lack of production. And it's not just us. Like, they've heard that all week and all season so far, really, about how they haven't been productive and they have no sacks and whatever, right on down the line. They, they've heard all this so far. <sighs> they really got to be careful. <laughs> they really got to be careful not to be too uh, amped up and over-aggressive and over-eager to make plays in this game because they're facing the best player in the NFL and maybe NFL history at drawing guys off sides and taking free shots down the field in Aaron Rodgers with that hard yep. count. He gets that hard count going, guys jump out off sides, and then he, he's throwing bombs down the field that he completes fairly regularly. He got one last week against Denver on the first drive, no less. The first drive, uh, he gets a guy to jump off sides, and it was like a 45-ish yard touchdown bomb to hyphen receiver. MVS? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they really got to be careful not to come out too over ear again, like I said, to make plays because if they jump off sides and Barnett was a big uh, offender of that, and there's my dog Charlie barking in the background. Uh, Special guest Charlie. Was a big offender of that in college anyway. He did some of that his, uh, his rookie year and last year as well. It's I, I think back to the 2016. Like, how could you not? If you're thinking about this Eagles-Packers matchup, how could you not think back to 2016 when the Packers weren't good even at that point? They were like 4-7 and seven or something, 4-6. and six. They weren't good. People thought the Eagles might actually beat them. I think the Eagles might have been favored in that game, even though the Eagles weren't great either. And I, all I remember is just Aaron Rodgers picking apart. Picked them apart surgically not even in a way where like he's just like launching bombs down the field the whole game <laughs> right like just pretty much just like taking what jim schwartz was giving him because the corners were playing so far off yes and it was like all right first down first down first down like it was like very just like methodically uh you know I- i'm sure he-, he was picking his spots when he wanted to take shots down the field when he when he wanted to or when he could um but like for the most part it was just like him seemingly like checking into all right, they're bringing pressure here or whatever, but they're playing off. All right, you know, just just check it down here, get it first. Like, it was just way too easy. It did not look challenging at all for him uh, in that game. And that's that's kind of one of the biggest things I think about here. Now, I will say, so I kind of wonder how good Aaron Rodgers is still. I'm not saying he's bad by any means. I think he's still really good. But doesn't it feel like he's kind of fallen off a little bit? A little bit, sure. Yeah. I agree. Like, I thought of him as the best player in the world Yeah. at, at one I, point. I don't think he's... I don't know if he's that anymore. Yeah, and for as much as like the Packers roster hasn't been good around him, if he is the best player in the world, they should probably be a little bit better than they've been. Yes, right? Isn't that fair to say? Even with you know McCarthy probably being a handicap to some extent, but now, but now you have Lafleur here, and like he's not looking like his offense has not been amazing. They ranked like twentieth in uh, offensive DVOA through the first three weeks here. Um, they have not really lit it up in a way that I think they, you know, they could have in theory of like if, if Aaron Rodgers is probably as good as we think he is, um, they should probably be dominating more. And sure enough, like watch them go off against the Eagles. So, so, yeah. so I'm saying this now and that could easily, you know, change soon. The real thing to me when I look at this Packers matchup is like that defense is really good. Surprisingly. There's talent. Like you have, uh, they brought in Preston Smith, you know, who the Eagles should know from Washington. Yep. They brought in Zadarius Smith from from the Ravens like they've added pass rushers to this defense they've they you know they have um uh, Mike Pettin there like it's looking pretty good like they, they can rush the passer 7.5 sacks combined for those two guys by the way so far three, three games. <laughs> almost quadrupling the Eagles production yeah. completely <laughs> um and then like their secondary is good too I mean like uh Jairi Alexander really liked him thought they like, kind of wanted him for the Eagles last year obviously yeah. they did not have a chance at him but like there's there's just a lot of talent on this Packers defense. One other thing I'll mention too, by the way, on um, uh, Rodgers getting free plays, it's not just on offsides. Too. It's he, he gets defenses uh, with too many men on the field when they're making substitutions. Mm. And for Jim Schwartz defense that likes to rotate those defensive linemen in and out, you've really got to be careful about that too, where uh, a guy might just not be hustling coming off the field. And then Rodgers hurries him up to the line of scrimmage, gets a playoff, get you know you get the uh, 12 men on the field penalty and he's taking another shot down the field so it's not just the offsides it's that too where you know he's he's just awesome in that regard and like i said maybe the best player ever 
at getting free plays. And the Eagles are coming off a week where they just had not enough men on the field. Or Correct. They made 10 on the field for J.D. McKissick's big run, 44-yard run into... Uh, so that's something... Now, that was kind of a, a little bit of a freak situation. The offense fumbles. Derek Burnett is hurt. Uh, they didn't have things it's straightened quick, out. It's a quick change situation where right. uh, you're hurrying back onto the field after a turnover. Still, I mean, you know, that has to be fixed. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's no excuse for it. Yeah. And Schwartz even said, you know, we got, you know, to quote Andy Reid, we got to be better. <laughs> yep. Do you have any other thoughts on the matchup specifically this week? Anything else that yeah, stands out Yeah, what do you think you? about, like, Devontae Adams against the against these corners? Uh, he hasn't been, like, amazing, right? He hasn't. Had, he's not off to, like, a great start. No, but he is amazing. Like yeah, I mean, he's very talented. So I just, uh, I, I mean, I happened to look at his stats, and I was like, oh, wow, he's got... Over 10 touchdowns each of the last three years. So I just looked up, you know, how many touchdowns, how that compares, rather, to the rest of the NFL. So from 2016 to 2018, 35 touchdowns for him. There's only one player that has more than him in the NFL. Wow. It's Antonio Brown. And he only had one more. Brown had 36. Devontae uh, Adams had 35. And then the next closest player, 28. So he's got seven more than DeAndre Hopkins, who, who has 28, and Mike Evans and Tyreek Hill each had 25. So he's a guy who can find the end zone. But again, like, so the Eagles have been really beaten the worst so far this year by you know, guys who can make plays down the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure he's made his plays down the field, but I view him sort of more as like a like a physical kind of receiver. He's a catch point guy for sure. Yeah, who can break tackles after the catch and get yards after the catch. I think their best matchup against the Eagles because of that is Sidney Jones maybe. Hmm. Not Razul? No, because I think Razul actually matches up okay against him mm-hmm. because he, he is a little more physical. Oh, yeah. That's what I was saying. I thought the Eagles... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, up. I meant from the Packers standpoint. Like, they probably oh, yeah. want to get him on Sidney Jones. No, sure. Well, because Sidney isn't as physical. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So it's weird because I, I guess I feel a little bit better about the secondary just because, you know, Darby is not going to be there to get picked on anymore. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like Sydney and Rizzol have looked amazing this season. I think they've looked relatively better than Darby, but that doesn't, you know, that's not saying a whole lot because Darby has not been very good. Yeah. So when I look at this matchup, like, I'm not feeling amazing about this Packers defense, or sorry, this Eagles defense going up against this Packers offense. Like, how could you? The pass rush isn't there. You, you feel like Rodgers is going to get his. Um, we, again, we've seen him have success against Schwartz back in 2016. Like, I don't. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know what makes me feel good about the defense going up against this offense, other than just their offense hasn't been like fully functional. You know, you know one thing I will say that uh, about this matchup, the one thing that the Packers defense hasn't really done well so far this year is stop the run. That is true. So, like, uh, did you watch the uh, Packers-Broncos game? Uh, yeah, I've seen a little bit. Yeah, yeah so the, the, the Broncos are able to run it on them. And yeah. they've actually given up, I think it was 130 per game. But more importantly, 4.9 yards per carry, which is especially high given that they've, you know, they're 3-0. So they've had leads mm-hmm. in every game. And the Eagles really haven't run it super well yet. They've had moments where Jordan Howard has been able to grind out some tough yards and run guys over and things of that nature. They've had big plays sporadically from, I mean, Miles Sanders has made a few plays plays down the field in the passing game but you know he had that one run call back but he really kind of hasn't broken out to you know the way that I think people would have liked to have seen so far maybe this is a week because the Packers do like to play a lot of defensive backs Doug mentioned on Monday I believe it was that you know they'll they'll play a lot of five defensive backs they'll play six and and at times even seven defensive backs Uh, obviously they're not playing seven defensive backs on first and ten but you know uh, it, it is a defense that I think I think that Packers defense would much more prefer to give up yards on the ground than they would through the air. And when you still have Deshaun Jackson out, if mm-hmm. that's kind of still the way that they're playing it, maybe you just, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a big, like quote unquote, establish the run guy, mm-hmm. but if they're going to give it to you, then you may as well take it if, if you still have Deshaun out. Who are you running the ball with? Sanders and Howard. Like, so split like yeah. last week. Basically. Yeah. You mix it up. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that'll do it for our preview portion of the podcast. We will get back next with our NFL picks against the spread for NFC East teams, including our final Eagles Packers prediction, and then kind of looking up a little bit to the upcoming uh, stretch that the Eagles have here. So we will be back after this. Back after this. Okay, we are back here on BGN Radio, episode number 82. 
Brandon Lee Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky. We're both four and two now uh, against the spread through our predictions so far. Yeah, you're three and zero. It's all tied <laughs> up. So I guess the stakes are big here going into this third week of our predictions here. And let's start off with a NFC East rivalry matchup. The Washington football team coming up a short week yeah. is playing in New Jersey against the Giants, who have the best quarterback in the NFL now in Daniel Jones. <laughs> that they and, do. And the Giants are favored by three. How do you feel about this game, Jimmy? How do you feel about Daniel Jones? I don't know how that. I don't know how this line is only three. All along, I've thought that Washington is the worst team, not only in the division, but also in just the entire NFC. Dolphins aside, right? Pretty much. Well, the the NFC, not the NFL. Yeah, just the NFC. They're they're the worst team in the NFC. I've had people debate me on that, and you, you too. I think (laughs) you were one that that you thought the Giants were worse too, right? Uh, I don't think you can prove that. Well, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's I don't think oh yeah okay I, I don't necessarily <laughs> think that's totally decided yet yeah I guess this is only I guess this line is only three because Saquon is out maybe yeah that can be the only reason why yeah I don't know how you can look at Washington and go yeah I'm gonna put my money on that and they're sticking with Keenum they're not putting Haskins in oh did apparently. you see that okay I didn't know that I think that's what Jay Gruden has said this far I mean who knows they could change stupid. it but I doubt it um stupid. yeah stupid what what's the point yeah I know why yeah. you're not going anywhere get him some experience who cares if he gets who cares if he, if he looks bad who cares if anything I thought I would think Gruden would want him in there because what if he looks good and then you know like hey try to save my job you're going nowhere with Keenum Keenum finally looked horrible by the way in that last yep. game finally like he had good numbers through the first two weeks, and it's like, yeah, I, I still, I know he's not good. Like it's, mm-hmm. he's gonna be, he's gonna not be good eventually. And finally, he was very bad. I mean, granted, he didn't have any help. <laughs> like that, uh, that Bears pass rush is again, their numbers aren't great in terms of like the number of sacks they have on the air, but they were legitimately awesome in that game. Yeah, I'll take the Giants as well. So I think it's yeah, easy. Gi- Giants minus three, in my opinion, is very, very. Easy call. It is interesting that it is three because the three number means that Vegas thinks that these two teams are equal. I don't see yeah. that. I don't see that at all. Not not enough respect for Daniel Jones, who again looked looked good uh, overall in or at least promising. That overall. Giants defense really is horrible though. But and then obviously you know against Saquon out two hurts. But uh, the Giants have some hope now, Jimmy. They have some hope. They have with, a reason to watch games this year. Yeah, and um, that's not so great for the Eagles. Um, getting into the next game, uh, Cowboys are favored by three on the road in New Orleans against the Saints, who surprised me, at least, this weekend by marching into Seattle and beating the Seahawks with Teddy Bridgewater starting at quarterback. Now, the Cowboys, you know, beat the Saints last year when the game was in Dallas, which is, like, probably one of the most uh, frustrating watches of the year. If you were an Eagles fan, you know, counting on the Saints to, you know, after watching the Saints, like, blow out the Eagles 48-7, to being like, all right, well, at least the Cowboys will get their turn, too. And they didn't, and they actually beat the Saints. Yeah. Uh, so do they go 2-0 here, Jimmy, in these last two years here? Do the Cowboys win in New Orleans? I have the Cowboys winning and covering in this game. Oh, boy. Because I look at the Saints, and uh, first of all, uh, yes, you go into Seattle and you win. It's impressive no matter how you slice it. Still, they got a fumble return for a touchdown early in that game. They got a punt return touchdown early in that game they got up and then they were just able to kind of bleed it out and this seattle team are they good like russell wilson is awesome but their first two weeks of the season they barely beat the Bengals at home one point yeah and and then they and then they barely beat uh the steelers who lost They, they knocked out big ben in that game right they were the ones who knocked him out and then i think about like halfway or early too and then rudolph came in and uh they were kind of able to shut them down thereafter. But they almost lost to them, too. So they had two wins to start the season, but they were kind of of the, on the, of the unimpressive variety, if we're going to call it that. Mm-hmm. And then week three, you know, as we mentioned, they lose at home to a uh, Teddy Bridgewater-led Saints team. So anyway, I, I just look at this uh, Saints team. I don't think they're – they're obviously not the same with, without Drew Brees. Let's be honest. Cowboys look pretty good so far. Yep. So I, I have them covering on the road. Would you say the Saints look like fraudulence? I would not. No, I think they'll be that's, fine. That's a reference to last year, if you didn't pick that up. Oh, no, I did not. Uh, when when I think uh, Alvin uh, Kamara or Mark Ingram called the Eagles fraudulence oh, or whatever. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Whoosh. Yeah, so, my bad. Yeah, sorry. I would take the Cowboys as well. Because um, there's just zero percent chance they're going to lose this game. Like there, there's not any chance that I will be wrong about this at all. No one is going to be able to like point back to this 
and say I jinxed them or anything. Like they are just definitely a hundred percent going to beat the Saints in New Orleans. So they're gonna be four no. It's gonna be tough for the Eagles. That's just you know, that's just how it is. Before we get to Eagles Packers, let's let's take a minute to look at the Cowboys schedule, by the way. Sure. Let me just pull that up real quick. Because it is not super difficult here. That I think they start with three bottom five teams in the NFL. In uh-huh. Washington, then no, I'm sorry, the Giants. Giants with Eli Manning. Then Washington. Right, with Eli Manning. Then Washington. And then the Dolphins. And two of those games are at home, too. And then they get the Saints minus Drew Brees. They'll get the Packers, which will be a tough test, I guess, week five. That's not in Green Bay. But they get them at home. Yeah, they get them at home. They have the Jets on the road thereafter. And you're probably going to get them without Sam Darnold. Maybe. Uh, He's going to be out a while, I think. It's it's possible he'll be out for the year. The problem Mm. with Mono isn't that... Is, Dr. Jimmy. <laughs> I've had, no, I had this explained to me by a doctor. I, well, you've had it, right? Yeah, I had it. But So one of the symptoms is your spleen becomes enlarged mm. and susceptible to bursting if it gets hit. Jeez. That's the problem. It's not necessarily that you're tired or you're sick or you have like these flu-like symptoms. That's not the issue in terms of getting back on the field. It's that your spleen becomes sort of a, a, a risk. Yeah. And you can die. It's like if you're if you if you rupture your spleen. Actually, I I think there was a quarterback who had a ruptured spleen in a game. I want to say Chris Sims. Does that ring a bell to you? I don't know. Anyway, but your your spleen that's the, your spleen is the big problem with with mono apparently. So I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. So they'll probably. Well, what would you say is more important, winning or or living? Probably on that roster, living. Okay. <laughs> on a Super Bowl contending roster. Eh. <laughs> It's not messed up the NFL is. So, uh, yeah, so I think they're going to get him without without Darnold. Then they get the Eagles okay. week seven. Yeah. Actually, I don't even know if it's week seven. Let me go to their it is week schedule seven. page. I'm yeah, it is. Looking at it sure. minus the bye. Okay, so it's they get the seven. Eagles. Who knows how banged up the Eagles will be by that point. <laughs> then they get their bye. And then they, uh, they head to the Giants, who mm. probably won't have Saquon back yet. That's week mm. nine. So Saquon probably, Saquon's going to be out like two weeks. He probably won't be back for that game. So, so they have a chance of going eight. No, not great for the Eagles, right? Or the uh, Cowboys fans that'll be throwing my oh, ten boy. reasons the Cowboys will be a dumpster fire back in my face in in January. Well, I mean, you know, fortunately the Cowboys will not choke at all in the playoffs. Like you know, they <laughs> they never do every year. Um, and clearly, you know, Dak is is really gr- good, and he's not limited in any capacity, and doesn't limit that team ceiling. So I'm sure. I'm sure it'll work out for them, uh, even though if they do stumble. The schedule does get a little harder for them in the, later on it in the does, year, right? It does, yes. Yeah, so late in the season, they get they, they, they get the, the Vikings, which, you know, they're kind of hot and cold. The, uh, the Patriots, they get the Bears on the road. They have the Rams at home. They're at Philly. So they do have uh, – the back half of their schedule is definitely a little harder. All right, so let's get into our final Eagles – Packers prediction. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we go there, just one, one more quick thing on the uh, on the Cowboys and choking in the playoffs. So the year and and the and that dumpster fire thing too. So the year that they went thirteen and three and uh, they had the the one seed and they 2016. lost two thousand sixteen. Yeah, then they lost to the Packers in the uh, in the in their fir- in their first playoff game in the divisional round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I guess um, somebody had posted. Uh, one of their former coaches had went went after me on Twitter. I don't. He do was, I remember this? Was it the linebacker Dave Campo? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Dave Campo comes after me on Twitter, and he throws this uh, ten reasons. No, it wasn't even that. It was uh, I was I was very critical of their draft that year because I thought that Ezekiel Elliott was a terrible use of resources with the fourth overall pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't necessarily killing the selection of Dak, I but I killed him for. I mean, they messed that draft up. They got lucky that they got Dak, frankly, because they went. Yeah. They try, First of all, they wanted Wentz. They would have taken Wentz at four, but the Eagles traded up ahead of them. They got him. They they tried to trade up for Paxton Lynch in the first mm-hmm. round. They didn't get what him. Could have been. They were gonna take Connor Cook, but mm-hmm. the Raiders. Yep, traded up ahead of them, and they snagged Connor Cook from out with from 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 under them, and then they just settled on Dak Prescott in the fourth round. 
So I killed them for that, for, you know, just messing up the draft in that way. And they got lucky, you know. Extremely lucky. I mean, you know, if they draft Paxton Lynch there, I know Romo gets hurt like he usually always does, then that's who they're stuck with. So I killed them for the process of that situation. And then Campo Mm -hmm. comes after me. This is the week after the regular season ends. So this is the week before the wild card round of the playoffs. Dave Campo comes after me. You know, obviously there's a ton of, Cowboys fans to follow him, and now they're all over me, mm. and my mentions just got destroyed for the better part of like a week and a half leading up to their game. And reply, and do anything. I just let them have. I just let them have their moment. But I did like make sure I favored it each each and every one of them. <laughs> and then, <laughs> as soon as that Mason Crosby kick went through the. By the way, that Mason Crosby kick where it kind of starts out to the left and you're like, Oh my God, he missed it. And then it fixed itself. It went back in. Like for, if you go back and you watch the replay of that, Mm -hmm. I I recommend to the listeners here to go back and just watch it like 20 different times (laughs) and pick out a different person in the crowd crowd behind the end zone and watch them. Just focus (laughs) on one person at a time and just watch it. Watch their, like the glimmer of hope for like, the split second and then when the ball corrects itself and goes back through the uprights then you just see them like get defeated (laughs) it's it's amazing that's your homework assignment for this week but then as soon as i as soon as that kick went through i just replied to like every single one of the people that came after me that week it took me a while like it took me like a solid hour to reply to all (laughs) of them because there were so many i mean it was like it was like over a hundred people that i the tweets that i had favorited with the you know, with the purpose of replying if the Cowboys lost. <laughs> and I did, like, right away, got back to every single one of them, and that's the most fun that I had that year, I think. That's why you're a hero. Thank you, me. my friend. Let's get into our final prediction for Eagles at Packers. The Packers are five-point favorites in this game. That's about right. It started, but the first line that came out, the Westgate, I think, in Vegas, mm-hmm. it was three. Yeah. And I saw that, and I went, what? Mm-hmm. And I knew that was going to go up. I think the other first, I think other first lines that came up, like I guess the majority of the, the, of the lines that, that that came out initially were like four or four point five. I, I hadn't seen that it gone, that it had, it had gone up to five, but that's about where I would have had it. I was talking to McLean after the game, and uh, we were guessing on what the lines would be. I thought it would be five point five. He said four point five, but I guess it landed at five, huh? Uh, yeah. What do you like? I'm gonna take. Well, let me let me start this way. Uh, I don't feel great about this matchup. Uh, You look at history and Green Bay, the Packers, they are 49-30-3 against the spread uh, as home favorites since the Aaron Rodgers era began. What was that again? So 49-30-3. 49-30-3? Yeah, that's a 62% cover rate. That's pretty big. That's best in the NFL in terms of covering in that span. So. If you're talking about the spread there. And now, you got the advantage just, of playing on Thursday on top of it now. Although that's, yeah. Surely that's factored into the spread. And going into just straight up, so taking the spread out of it, the Packers are 65, 16, and 1 Jeez. straight up in those games since 2008. And that is the second best overall winning percentage, only behind the Patriots at number 1. Mm-hmm. And to make that even more impressive... Aaron Rodgers has missed 10 home games in that stretch there, uh. and they're only 3-6-1 and one in those home games. So obviously, you know, if he had played in those, they're probably going to have course. a better record yeah. than that. So uh, so just to put that in context, this is a really tough spot for the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Like, There's ample reason to not feel good about them. Now, the Eagles have done okay as uh, road dogs. They're 6-9 and nine, uh, straight up as road dogs, which actually ranks like 10th best. That's not terrible. Um, that's since 2016. They're also 8-7 and seven against the spread in those 15 games, which is tied for 14th best. So they haven't done terrible on the road as road underdogs is the point there. With all that said, I just think, you know, you look at Aaron Rodgers going up, and even if he's not, you know, what Aaron Rodgers once was, I think he's going to be able to have success against this Eagles defense. I think an Eagles offense that is still missing Deshaun Jackson, getting Alshon Jeffrey back should help, but, you know, you're still missing Deshaun. Um, the running backs, you know, like, I don't really know what you can even fully expect out of them. Like, you can't, like, I know Packers should be vulnerable against the run, but, like, how much do you actually trust the Eagles running backs to look great or look good and be effective? Um, so, with all that said, and, and with me feeling like 
the Eagles are going to lose this game and the, the Packers are just the better team and they're going to win. I am 100% confident in taking the Eagles to win this game outright because it makes no sense at all. Their backs are <laughs> up against the wall. Uh, I think they really need to win this game. Uh, the history, Jimmy, of the Eagles starting out Two, uh, two and two versus one and three is pretty significant. I'm sure it is. Uh, they've made the playoffs in nine out of their last ten two and two starts, hmm. and they've they've won at least one playoff game in five of those ten. Huh. So like not so your season like not terrible if you're two and two historically. Yeah, you're fine. Two and two is fine. Now if you're one and three, the Eagles have won just one playoff game in their last one uh, or their last ten one and three starts. So. Would so that be has to well be that was what had that had to have been two thousand three. Uh, it was two the so or two thousand two. Uh, it was one yeah, of the years was, when they went yeah. to the NFC Championship game. Yes, it was. I know that. So I'm taking the Eagles to win, basically because like I'm just completely irrationally confident they will somehow win this game. I think it's a situation where everyone's like, oh, the Packers are easily just going to win this, and uh, I, I think the Eagles will pull off an upset in overtime. Eagles will win 24-21. to 21. I have the Eagles losing this game. That's all well said, by the way. Um, Thank you. The, the back against the wall uh, point, I do like. like. I remember last year, you mm-hmm. look at, uh, I guess it would have been week 15, where they're heading Rams out team? to Rams. Yeah. Yeah. And what were they, like 14-point underdogs or something crazy? Something like that. And the vibe felt so terrible around the team at the time. Yes. like... It was the Wentz injury and just, yeah, it felt like they had no chance. Yeah. And then bang, they win. Yep. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the, uh, it makes no sense, but yeah, sure. Go out and win it. But- I, I actually, I just one quick thing is that I think it does make sense in that Doug Peterson has rallied the troops before. Like they have fought for him yes. in, in tough spots. So that's, that's all I'll say. I think they lose, but they cover. Okay. So are we the same on all three of these then? Did, did you, you have the Giants covering, you have the Cowboys covering and you have the Eagles yes. covering? Yeah, not mm. so not super fun. That's, well, no, I, no, I have the Eagles. Uh, well, you've been oh, winning so out, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that doesn't count. So that counts as a cover against the spread. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hold on, let's let's find one game that we can uh, pick as a tiebreaker. Like maybe I don't know Minnesota Chicago. Yeah. What do you what do you, what do you got on that one? I'll take Minnesota plus two. I'm seeing here. I'll take the Bears minus two. Okay, I just think Trubisky is bad. I'm not. I'm, I'm definitely not a Cousins guy. I'm like one of the most anti Cousins guy, but. I like Devin Cook a lot. I'll take uh, the Bears on uh, Giants Super Bowl theory. Okay. Anything else, Jimmy? All right. So, that's, we go so that, that's our tiebreaker. That's our tiebreaker. No. I'll throw it in. The Packers do have a good press box spread, though. That's important. They do that. They do that up well. Uh, and you can see that uh, review on Philly Voice once uh, Jimmy writes that up. I'm guessing Friday morning, you know, probably. Okay, yeah. Friday morning. So make sure to check that out. Make sure to check Jimmy out. Make sure to check, obviously. BootingGreenNation.com out. Uh, we will have more coverage of this game coming out of this game and everything here on BGN Radio. So make sure you subscribe wherever you can. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Make sure you leave reviews, ratings on Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Give us some feedback. Um, you can rip Jimmy for the commercials he makes, as some people have been doing. Well, I don't think we had any this week, but they'll, well, they'll, they'll be back in a week. For sure. They'll, uh, people will be disappointed. Some people will be disappointed. <laughs> some people will be happy. So <laughs> yes. uh, that just about does it here for this edition of BGN Radio, episode 82. We will be back with you next week to talk about some of the fallout of the Packers game and look ahead to the Jets game. Uh, so we will talk to you then, and we'll see you next time. BGN.